Hello and welcome to the Content Design Podcast. My name is Vanessa Barlow, I'm a content designer and content strategist. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about voice UI. Ever since I've started the podcast, I've been really keen to get onto this because it's such an exciting area for us content designers because it is completely about the messaging and the language. As you take away the screen and just have platforms like Amazon Alexa and Google Home, it's incredibly important the words that you choose and that you start to match the way that people phrase questions and would want to talk to these devices and give them really succinct and helpful answers. I was recently at a hack day for um, creating Amazon Alexa skills at Amazon and one of the things that they pointed out was that when you are listening to something as opposed to reading it you have no patience for repetition so even actually reaffirming a command by repeating it back to someone can get very irritating really quickly with Alexa and the fact that the language needs to be completely natural and mimic how people speak just means this is such a great area um, for us to really carve a niche into and to not let just head into the field of UX designers and UI designers because actually as messaging specialists this is something that we can really lead um, within our teams and within our workplaces. So if you're not already I'd really encourage you to start looking into um, Voice UI and the opportunities it might hold for your business. Since recording some of the interviews you're going to hear in today's episode, I've gone from not owning a voice device at all to having um, two Amazon Alexas, one in my living room and one upstairs. And it just goes to show that how once you start to open up this kind of world of voice commands, how seamlessly and easily it can integrate into your life. Um, Again, that's one of the kind of key takeaways when it comes to designing an Amazon Alexa skill is for something to have a clear purpose and a purpose that's specific to voice like what can you do with voice that you can't do on a laptop or a computer in the same way so quite often something that would be a really quick command that you can um, carry out while doing the cooking or um, making your bed Um, So, for example, one of the things I use my Amazon Alexa a lot for is to um, play music. And recently I asked Amazon Alexa to play Dua Lipa. I know, guilty pop secret. And this is what she came out with. This is Jeopardy! Thanks, Johnny. And welcome, players. Today's first category is... College vocabulary. So to start with, it took me a while to uh, cotton on what was happening. I thought maybe Dua Lipa had sampled a really old American game show as part of a song, a new song, and was going to remix it or something. And then after a while, I realised, no, Alexa has misheard and is actually trying to play Jeopardy with me. So in some ways, I was kind of surprised and delighted that she had this skill, um, but in other ways, completely frustrated that she didn't just get on and do what I wanted her to, particularly because no matter how I tried to repronounce it, she had no idea what I wanted. Um, and so again, it kind of helps show that there are so many applications um, for these devices and what they could mean for content. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk again to Alex Reese, Head of Digital at a Test, who we had on the show um, a few episodes back, and also Anna Singer, Digital Strategy Lead at Citizens Advice, because really, there were two great people who are really um, 
interested in this kind of new technology and the opportunities that it brings and we chat about everything from what it could mean for sort of search trends and marketing and also the application for maybe slightly more vulnerable people for whom it's not easy to use traditional devices and something like voice tech could really help so to kick things off i start chatting voice ui with alex reese talking about the future of content one area um, as a content designer I'm geeking out about at the moment is um, voice tech and oh, yeah. what our processes and ideas and our opportunities are as people are starting to move away from the screen and that kind of interface and relying totally on their own voice commands and then also <coughs> receiving content just spoken aloud to them. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, both as a head of digital professional, but also specifically, I know for a fact that you're an owner of Amazon Alexa. Shush, wake her up. Yeah, exactly. Just start joining in with the podcast. Um, Kind of, how have you, because you've, how long have you had, maybe you shouldn't name her in case she pings on, but how how long have you had you know who in your life? So I've had you know who for about six months now, Mm -hmm. I think, and I... I find it fascinating because of something you touched on earlier, um, search trends. So if people are are speaking searches, if they're voicing what they want to find, the way you voice a question is different to how you would type something. So people who nail that quickly could, as voice searches increases, which the data is telling us they are, being on top of that for... The sort of thing you would use in a Alexa app for could be a really nice win, a really nice way to get ahead. So, so yeah, I think it's fascinating how apps will change and how people will start to interact with these these systems. But it's still a very small percentage of searches at the moment. Um, mm. But while it's growing, it's it's good. It's another sort of frontier to to put a stake in. First thing, if you if you're up a, if you're a challenger brand and you're up against people who sort of spent years nailing their their search engine rankings, so it could be an exciting place if you're in the right right space to uh, to look at getting a bit of a foothold before they um, they move over. Mm. And it's interesting you're talking about um, the, the way people are searching with their voice compared to what they type into, because it feels like the voice tech is kind of on a similar to leap that search was and I don't know if you remember the days where um, you would type in a search and if you misspelt it people hadn't necessarily put in obviously all the incredible variations that you can now cover and so really the um, the user was wasn't doing anything wrong but they couldn't get to what they wanted to get to and sometimes certainly my experience of um, (laughs) playing with um, your Alexa and um, and trying to use Siri on my own phone unless you say quite specifically what it's been programmed to react to you can't get it to complete the functionality you want it to do and you know it's capable of doing but you're just not quite saying those magic words it's not there yet it's very difficult to get through a a shopping list of 10 items speaking to uh you know who so it's um it's definitely not there yet yet but will it i think the big question is is it going to remain small remain Mm -hmm. a novelty and I, i think where I've seen it powerful is we've just got a tablet that's got it on as well. And you f- I feel like if it's in cars, it's on tablets, on watches, on phones, and you've got the same one, I think mm. that's where the real, you'll get used to using it. It'll get used to hearing the different commands and the different settings. It's on your mobile 
device it'll be able to work out where you are and what it's likely to hear so it should be able to to get better quite quickly and I think we'll, I think it will develop quickly purely because the amount of money that's being pumped into it by these tech giants mm-hmm. um, uh, and the the volume of units that they're shifting I, I don't have it to hand but the um, I think certainly over Black Friday they sold an, Amazon sold an obscene amount of Alexas um, I think they're almost it's a big part of their strategy I think because they see it as a way to get a foothold in something like Google did with with search mm-hmm. so rather than trying to make money on the units building up that that market for their tech and they're in a very good position to do it with their AWS and all that stuff and they're they've got a pretty big e-commerce site I don't know if you've heard about it <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they're in a great position to take advantage of these techs so I think the the money that's going to be pumped into it will just mean it will develop very very quickly and that's such a good point about the price of the units because even though for some people again thinking of the incredibly wise um wise wide um user base something someone like amazon has there'll be people who would be incredibly early adopters of everything and then there'll be people who are only really even just starting to use amazon and use online shopping and by making the units relatively affordable it's not a big leap to just have this in your home and as you kind of see more and more people have it or obviously their marketing they've covered everything from like how to put on some children's music when you're with your kids to how to dim the lights when the stuff's kicking off in the bedroom you know it, it pulls in it's kind of trying to reach out to everybody so yeah it seems like it's not the distant future where everyone well for a start we've all got probably either an um, iPhone or an Android phone that's already got this voice tech on. Yeah. And it just seems like the mass adoption, people becoming more comfortable with it, is on the very, very near horizon. It's interesting how quickly people do become comfortable with these things that would seem, when you look at, uh, like, people were scared to use their phone back in the the 50s in case the government was listening, (laughs) and now... We've got these devices in our home, and we're we're totally, or a generation's totally okay with that. And it's very interesting to see where that will go, and where whether who has access to what people are talking to Alexa about. Is it mm. just Amazon? Do they have to make that? Should they make that public? Mm. Care who has access to? I think with Google, I'd have to check, but you can see the search. Some of the search queries when they relate to your company in in AdWords. Um, if they come, I can't. I haven't looked for a little while, but it's quite difficult to differentiate which come through voice search, and you can kind of tell by what's being asked for. Yeah, how they're formulating that question. Yeah, so I, I bet Sunbright Spark has written a blog post on it somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I I find it very interesting, and interesting. We the we um it unplugged for a while because it stopped recognizing our voices, so I mm-hmm. need to do a factory reset. So I took it upstairs. And then I, I had like a phantom, you know who, in the in the kitchen. I was telling the wall to put a timer for ten <laughs> minutes, and it was really weird. I, I then realised like, oh, I've got to go and get that back. And then I realised how much it had become part of. You my... just got so used to using it. Yeah, exactly. And I guess using it for a wide enough variety of tasks that it it was completely indispensable. Yeah, yeah, I think. And um, when you're running around, it is it's really handy to just shout and order it. Um, a inanimate object <laughs> and and get it to put a timer on or put some music on or turn the lights off or, or whatever 
but yeah a lot of the stuff on the advert with, with all the, the smart objects gets very expensive very quickly mm -hmm. and um, you if you live in a house with someone else you both have to be on board with making your house smart or else I've yeah. exchanged a few stories where, where just one half of the partnership is on board of it the other one would just like a light switch that works yeah exactly like not a light switch or not have some kind of ambient being listening out all the time ready for that command. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's a very good point. And it would be interesting to see um, how it develops as a medium for content in terms of kind of content transparency and authority. Because as you know, you search something on Google and you can search by kind of date and, and country and even just in the sort of metadata and instant things that pop up, you have quite a good idea of who's serving you this content so I guess a good example could be if you're an A-level student doing a, um, a bit of research you can quite quickly see okay where is the source that I could actually yeah, cite really in my point. essay and where is it like a really clickbaity um, you never knew this about Hitler type <laughs> fake news <laughs> yeah fake news type um, post and it seems like with voice tech, there's such a low threshold in terms of how annoyed you get with it and how quickly. So obviously, if it's not understanding your search query or your command, you're only going to say it two or three times before you stop. And I'd imagine likewise, if you ask um, a question in the way that you want, you ask Google all the time, if it then has to read out a whole thing around here is an article written on the 15th of May by this person and they were originally published by this and you kind of, if they read out yeah. the information you can see at a glance on Google, you're probably going to find it an incredibly tedious experience. Yeah, they kind of do that. There's like a daily briefing where if you've got the Guardian app plugged in, it'll read you the headlines from the Guardian, but it's, um, yeah, very strange. Is it just kind of pulling absolutely everything through? Yeah, it's like having Stephen Hawking read you the news. It's... <laughs> very very strange exactly and you don't have that visibility so it's served up yeah say for example you've asked them asked it a question about a current event um it's served up the garden as the result for that but you don't know why it's chosen that one above any others and again you don't have that kind of um above the scroll you know five or six options before you click on one it, it it has Alexa has just decided mm. this will answer your question and this is the source I'm going to use yeah I, it's an interesting there hasn't I guess I haven't come across that much content created specifically for Alexa and it's probably because you don't get that much credit for it Alexa mm. gets the credit so maybe that'll need to change I know they plug, with Alexa it's plugged into Audible so you can up with your uh do you really get sponsored <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pick up with the, um, we will talk up. about other products at other points yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can pick up your audio book where it left off which is mm. which is a nice touch um that's amazon content again that's why they get the units out there get people using mm -hmm. their content more mm -hmm. um but yeah there's going to be a way to to get your content on alexa it's just whether it's worthwhile you doing that for your brand like i see why certain brands would like to to get on there I know um, you like the train line and, and things like that they're sort of getting information across maybe it means they still maybe part of it will be protectionism to keep them relevant mm -hmm. and make sure that people still download their apps and use their data mm -hmm. and in terms them. of um, learning about your audience and what they want to use when it might be it's more yeah there is this mass adoption we can see really clearly do you know what because the frustrations because of the nature of how 
you interact with these and how the content's served up, really there's quite a relatively narrow set of tasks or set of circumstances where you do the voice tech. And in the way a few years ago there was a whole, oh, it's ebooks now, paper books. <laughs> what yeah. even is that? And then we found out that actually paper books are still outselling yeah. ebooks massively, and that kind of adoption didn't happen in the way we thought it would. So it'd be really interesting to see whether, um, exactly as you said, lots of brands are leveraging this new content opportunity or whether it stays as you add a few things to a shopping list and turn some lights off. Otherwise, you, you still want that screen interaction. Yeah. I mean, we use ours for a list to the radio a lot and you can find podcasts, although it's, it's, not, it's got a sort of 50-50 hit ratio. You'll either find it straight away or you'll spend four days shouting at it <laughs> and still not find it. Um, so it, it could, you know, open up more podcast users, which could be a, another reason why podcasts are, are so popular at the moment. Is there are more and more ways to listen to them? I might take away a bit of the monopoly. Well, say monopoly of some of the podcast houses have at the moment. But there's another way if Alexa or Amazon want to start hosting podcasts and and that sort of thing. Um, I think Spotify are doing that, aren't they? They're um, Spotify yeah, they start just, creating yeah. podcasts themselves and mm -hmm. hosting them. So. A slightly different business model, I guess. Could Spotify get the adverts? But yeah, it's they've got. I think they've got a lot of options of how they can start to monetize this, and they're doing exactly the right thing. And I'll be glad they've got my approval on this. But um, they're getting the units out there and getting them in as many mm -hmm. homes as they can at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. which is not at all scary. <laughs> <laughs> singer with some of her insight into voice UI. Um, this is taken from an interview I recorded with Anna a little while ago and sadly as you might have heard in a previous episode where I featured her, um, the mic just didn't work um, as it should have done so the sound quality isn't what it should be um, but it's really worth bearing with it because um, Anna has some really interesting um, thoughts around voice UI and its application um, and apologies again for the sound quality especially to Anna. It's interesting looking at the different shifts that have happened because obviously we were designing to desktop first, now we're designing to mobile first and obviously with something like voice tech you're designing to what's going to be a snappy 10 yeah. word answer that I can and get I while putting you know, my shoes on or whatever. calm technology? I'm not 100% sure but the the idea is that you're not designing to a device anymore, but something that comes naturally, such as talking. Mm. So it kind of breaks down the barrier to entry of anything. So if I want to know how to search something on my phone, I have to learn how to use that hardware and learn how to use the software in that, um, whereas I've already learned to speak. Mm -hmm. So I suppose that's why they call it calm technology, because... It's it's intuitive already. Yes. Yeah. There's no kind of there's no sort of barrier that the user mm. needs to interpret. They could just take their action, and the yeah. tech itself just yeah. responds to that directly. I mean, it is. I I find voice absolutely fascinating. And at home, we've got everything you can hooked up to um, our Alexa. So we have Philips Hue light bulbs. Um, we have Sonos. So I now, when I play my music, it's voice activated. In fact, the other day, I, um, I went to turn the radio on. I said, Alexa, play Radio 4. 
And she said, I'm sorry, I can't connect to the internet at the moment. So I was thinking, okay, that's fine. I can go to the radio and turn on Radio 4. So I went over there, and it's playing Radio 2. So I think, okay, how hard can it be to change to Radio 4? But I'd completely forgotten, because I've become so accustomed to using my voice that I'd forgotten how to use this, this, kind of, this piece of equipment in my house. Mm-hmm. So I think that, in a sense to me, makes me realise how quickly we will adapt to it. Yes, really good point. So, yeah, it, it was uh, quite bizarre. I ended up listening to Radio 2 because I couldn't change it. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the solution to the problem. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of the things I kind of touched upon when I've been talking about it before is the kind of frustration element in the sense of if you're literally, yeah, the behaviour of kind of telling, you're almost bringing that learnt behaviour of, if I ask someone to do something for me, unless it's a rude or an impolite demand, they'll do it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the very quick frustration you get when you ask Alexa to do something and she doesn't, um, there's such a kind of low threshold of tolerance, I think, for the user. Absolutely. But what was interesting around what you were saying is there's the flip side of but then it's so intuitive and you get so used to using mm-hmm. it. I'd imagine there's going to be this curve where actually people are less frustrated because they'd almost rather tell Alexa two or three times to do it. And she'll be learning. So we've got to remember that with machine learning and artificial intelligence, these these pieces of software, they're going to be learning how we speak, they're going to be interpreting dialects, they're going to interpret kind of how the kids speak, you know, anything like that, they're going to start learning that and learning how different people ask different questions. Um, And so it will get more intelligent. I just think at the moment it can seem frustrating and it reminds me sometimes when I'm asking Alexa something, like those computer games back in the 80s when you had to type in a command, wizard pick up the sword. Oh, yes. And it wouldn't pick up the sword. So then you type in pick up the sword wizard and I think there's a little bit of that going on with voice tech at the moment but with machine learning that's an artificial intelligence that is going to be erased and I think on in no time at all um, but I think the interesting thing about voice is that it's kind of a private thing at the moment mm. I don't see many people kind of talking to their phones outside and yet at home, I'm quite happy now to say, Alexa, is it going to rain today? Do yeah. I need to take an umbrella? And I don't mm-hmm. feel silly because it's in the comfort of my own home. But there's still that sense that it's this, this very personal space. And I don't know if I was outside, if I'd say, um, hey, Siri. Um... <laughs> I think she started up. She started. She started. <laughs> not talking to you yet, Siri. Calm what, down. If I was to ask... Uh, well, I need an umbrella later, Yeah. then I, I would feel a little bit silly at the moment. And I think a, a lot of people are in that mindset. I do think it will change, but I don't know how fast. Um, so, but one thing I have noticed is people searching for things. So they'll pick up their phone and say, hey. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah. um, Search for this um, and, and that seems to be a nice way of, of searching. I know that a lot of organisations will benefit from, from search with voice mm. activation, with voice technology. Um, and that's how I was thinking maybe it could help citizens' advice because we have 
uh, some, we might have clients who have literacy problems or language issues, um, and they could just speak and ask for, how do I find advice on this subject? Um, also, you don't have to worry about spelling mistakes, things like mm. that. So there's, there's lots of benefits. You can also talk a lot faster than you can type. Um, and again, the barrier to entry, you don't have to learn how to use something, you can just talk into it. So I think it could be really helpful for somebody searching for advice. But then the flip side to that is, is somebody going to talk into a device and say, hey, how do I get food vouchers? Because it's, you're kind of vocalizing a problem mm, and it's a really sensitive issue. Um, and I think one of the things that Google was saying is that um, voice tech will generally be non-sensitive um, searches. And I think a lot of the searches on Citizens Advice will be sensitive searches. So whether there's a space there for us to develop something or not, I mean, it is there to investigate, certainly, but we have to take into consideration the vulnerabilities and, and the sensitivities of our clients. Yeah, that's... So, yeah, that's such an interesting side of it. I hadn't really thought of it in that way before. And it's making me now think about the comparison between how you might behave with something like, um, yeah, people's voice tech and something like a chatbot. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't think, to your point, people would necessarily, if it was something really sensitive, you wouldn't necessarily say yeah. to a chatbot, I'm struggling with this really horrific thing. Mm -hmm. But maybe one of the key differences is it's still a conversation in the way that yeah. Alexa isn't. And Alexa is just kind of, I have an immediate need, okay, you've, you've delivered it in yeah. less than 10 seconds. Whereas what seems like quite a good opportunity with chatbots and why so many businesses are starting to lead that way is something that previously had to rely on, um, you know, couldn't be handled by an email, couldn't be handled by these kind of, one-way conversations yeah but it's too much of a resource to have someone on the end of the phone all the time and mm -hmm. therefore when it needs to be a conversation it can move to them, handle yeah. it so thank you again to alex and anna for talking to me about voice ui and i hope this episode has helped to get you excited um, about all the possible content opportunities that are with it and how your messaging can really start to define this platform and how users interact with voice interfaces. If you have any questions about content design or want to get in touch about potential future episodes, um, you can reach us at DigiContentPod on Twitter. That's at DigiContentPod. And if you're enjoying the podcast and finding it really helpful for your own content design practices, then please um, subscribe to us on iTunes and also leave a review and that will really help other people to discover the podcast too. So until next time, bye bye.